Aren't you thankful for the ministry of music? Amen. Amen. What a blessing to be in a place where God is exalted, where we sing His praises, and the focus is right. I'm so thankful for that. Again, some of you have asked for our contact information. Let me just make sure and give that to you one more time if you'd like that. And let me say thank you for being here this week. Alicia and I are honored to have met some new friends. And I can assure you in the days to come as we pray together, we will have your faces uh, in our minds and praying that God would continue to have his hand of blessing upon you. And we'd appreciate your continued prayers for us uh, at Mount Moriah Baptist and in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And uh, we've got some big things happening there. And uh, we need God to manifest himself. I also want to say thank you to the Wild Staff. You know, so much is done behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. But every time we come, the food, matter of fact, I'm fed up. Uh, <laughs> the food and the facilities, the staff, the IT people, the audiovisual people, the people who keep everything groomed and clean, the music, and just it's, it's always done right and always done to glorify God. And it has been a great week again, and I just want to say thank you uh, to Ken, to Dan, uh, to those who invited us to be part of it, and what a privilege it is, has been for us uh, this week. It's been my prayer all week that every single one of us would get a hold of the fact that God has a plan for us. Amen? No matter what our age, no matter what our background, God has a reason that he has left us here. And we've been challenging ourselves and you with this mindset of what is the mission that God has for us. We've looked already at the mission as encouragers, as examples, and as exhorters. The mission focus for tonight may be, and I believe it is, and I hope you'll agree with me, I believe it may be the most important mission that you and I can be involved in. And that is the mission of being a prayer warrior. The most powerful resource available to you and me is the power of prayer. We talk about prayer. We preach about prayer. We would all say we believe in the power of prayer. But I'm not sure that any of us, and I say us, including myself, pray as we ought. I've been convicted in the last few years about what it means to be a prayer warrior. 
Matter of fact, let me ask you a question. What comes to your mind when I say that word warrior? Just think about that for a second. Who comes to your mind when I say prayer warrior? Maybe you had a grandmother or a mother or somebody who prayed for you and you consider them a prayer warrior. But who in the Bible comes to your mind as someone who fits this description of truly a prayer warrior? And I hear some of you talking about different ones, and you're right in some of those, but, but I want to share with you a man tonight that is labeled by the Apostle Paul as a man known for his praying. Let me give you a couple of hints, and don't say it out loud. Keep it a secret, and then when I say how many have got it right, you can all raise your hand. This man was a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. Matter of fact, he probably met the Apostle Paul when Paul was in Ephesus. He probably planted the church at Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis. He spent some time in prison with the Apostle Paul. He's one of two men that Paul calls a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was commended for his fervency in prayer. Now, if you have it right, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. We meet there a man named Epaphras. As I was studying this some time back, I began to think, if the Apostle Paul were writing back to some friends or family of mine, what would he say about me? This is what is happening in the book of Colossians. Paul is writing back to the church at Colossae. By the way, Paul, as far as we know, never went to Colossae. And yet he's writing back to the church at Colossae, commending them, encouraging them, because this man, Epaphras, who had apparently been their pastor who had come and was now in prison in jail with the Apostle Paul and had told them about what was going on in the church of Colossae. And Paul's writing back to encourage them. And he says these words in verses 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you, in prayers. Would you read that phrase again out loud with me, please? Always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete 
in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. I invite you to see tonight the life of a true prayer warrior, the longing of a true prayer warrior, and some lessons from a true prayer warrior. We need some prayer warriors in the church of Jesus Christ today. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the authority of your word. Lord, we come this evening and we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct every thought, every word, and every response as we seek to share the burden that you've laid upon our heart this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Notice, first of all, the life of a true prayer warrior. What does such a life look like? What are some characteristics of a man or a lady who is truly committed to prayer? I jotted down a couple of things just from what we've read here. I jotted down, first of all, a true prayer warrior is burdened for people. Paul said he is one of you. You are in his heart. He has a great zeal for you. He has a great affection for you. The Apostle Paul, after having spent time with Epaphras, had evaluated his burden for his people. And no doubt there had been conversation taking place and there had been burdens that, that Epaphras had communicated to Paul about some people that he knew back home. And maybe he said, Brother Paul, I've got some men who are struggling with the pressures of standing for what is right. And some of them have lost their jobs. Some of them have had their families turn against them. Paul, would you pray with me about brother so-and-so or about sister so-and-so? And there's some families that I know are, are struggling, Paul. They really need us to, to pray for them. And Paul says, I know from personal experience that he has a burden for his people. Someone who's a prayer warrior is burdened for the people that God brings into their lives. You know, I look at us this evening, and probably most of us here have some family members that we're burdened for. We have some grandchildren that we're burdened for. I hope you have a pastor that you're burdened for. A Sunday school teacher that you're burdened for. Maybe an unsaved neighbor. An unsaved co-worker. An acquaintance. The, the, the burden of Epaphras' heart, the love of his heart resulted in him praying for them. Would it be okay for us to say maybe the greatest demonstration of true love is praying for someone? You say, well, what about meeting their needs? How do you begin to meet their needs if you haven't prayed for them? What about encouraging them? How are you going to know how to encourage them without praying for them? You say, well, what about being an example to them? How are you going to know how to be an example to them if you're not praying for them? 
He's burdened for his people. I jotted down, secondly, he is loyal to his master. You say, where do you get that from here? Notice the phrase, a servant of Christ. As I mentioned, he's only one of two men that Paul refers to as a servant of Christ. The other is young Timothy, besides himself. This is that word doulos, which means voluntary slave. It speaks of a permanent relationship of servitude, consumed with the will of the master. Not focused on what I want, but focused on what the master wants. Focused on the will of God for the person that I'm burdened for. He is loyal to the master. You know, failure to pray is a sin. Do we understand that? Matter of fact, in the early 1900s, a group of pastors met in South Africa to evaluate the, st- the status of the church, the condition of the church. This group of pastors spent some time evaluating what was going on in the various churches that were represented there. And they came away from that meeting and they said the number one problem in our churches is the sin of prayerlessness. I contend that it has not gotten better since the early 1900s. Many times our churches are busy. They're hubs of busyness and hubs of activity, programs. But are we really, in the words of Scripture, houses of prayer? I've been convicted about that. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against you in ceasing to pray for you. Prayerlessness. Epaphras was obedient to this command to pray. Servants are obedient and devoted. I jotted down thirdly, The true prayer warrior is disciplined in his practice. Look at the phrase Paul uses here. Always laboring fervently for you. Epaphras exhibited a life of prayer. A constant communication with his heavenly Father. A dependence and a discipline to pray. A consistency and intensity. Paul's noticed this was not by accident. There was a discipline. He strives earnestly is what that phrase laboring fervently means. And when's he doing it? Always. The pattern of his life Paul observed he was a prayer warrior. May I ask a very personal question? How about us? How fervent and disciplined and consistent are we in our prayer life? I'm not talking about just praying for our meals. I'm not just having, I'm just not talking about saying prayers. 
I'm talking about truly praying. I remember in the early days of ministry as I was a youth pastor, there were times that we would have all-night prayer meetings. Some of y'all remember those, don't you? Our pastor asked us to come and spend all night praying, and I remember thinking, honestly, I don't know if I can pray all night long. Have you ever thought about praying for an hour, for a solid hour? And I know what happens. Sometimes we get down and say, okay, I'm going to pray for an hour. And we pray through everybody we know and everything we know, and we say, that's got to be an hour, and we look at the clock, and it's been seven minutes. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. I want to tell you, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the expert on prayer. I'm a learner. God has been teaching me so much through the writings of E.M. Bounds, Harold Vaughn. Matter of fact, let me just give a plug here. I didn't get permission to do this. I hope it's okay. But Harold Vaughn has written a book called Prayer Protocols that I believe every single one of us ought to get a hold of and we ought to spend some time reading and implementing into our lives pastors into our churches i have used the videos and shown on sunday morning and we've stopped and taken 15 or 20 minutes in our morning worship service to pray and it's had an impact we've had some prayer summits we've had some prayer revivals we had a, a revival this past spring where i did we did not bring in a special preacher at all we met at the church every evening at seven o'clock and we spent an hour and a half maybe singing a couple of songs and talking about a certain prayer protocol, whether it be thanksgiving or praise or confession or faith. And then we prayed. Earnest, fervent, getting serious with God about prayer. It's time. Do you think our, our nation is in a serious condition? Do you think our churches? in a serious condition. We need to be men and ladies of prayer. Notice the longing. What, what, Paul, what did, what did he pray for? That you would stand complete. He prayed that his people would stand complete. What does that mean? Completely blameless. Come to full maturity. This is true intercession, praying on behalf of the men and the ladies in his congregation to mature in the Lord. He says, secondly, that you would stand complete. That means to fill out. That means to accomplish an end, to make full. I mentioned last night I was 125 pounds when I started playing football and coach put me on a weight program I filled out as you can see that's this idea in a spiritual standpoint 
Not just skin and bone spiritually. Not just shallow spiritually. But mature spiritually. Growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Coming to a place of full maturity. And he says, thirdly, stand in all the will of God. I summarized it this way. Not being weary in well-doing growing in grace, adding to your faith, being pure, being more like Christ, to keep progressing, standing firm in God's will. Paul said he prays hard for you, that you'd stand fast, that you'd stand ripe in conviction, wholly devoted to God. Can I give you four references? I don't have time to... to, turn and walk through them. But would you write these down, please? I believe it'll help you in your prayer life. You say, how do I pray extended times for people? Pray scripture back to God. When we pray the Bible back to God, we know we're praying in the will of God. Amen. Does that make sense? Write down Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. Here's Paul's specific prayer in chapter 1 for these believers. Write down Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. Again, Paul's specific prayer for these believers. Write down Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Write down Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Write down 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'm sorry, 3 or 2. Let me make sure about that. Yeah, 3. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. Here are specific prayers that Paul said, I am praying for you that. Very specific. Just to give you a personal illustration of how that helps me. We have a church calendar with all of our church families listed. I have that church calendar divided into groups of five or into five groups monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday one the first week of the month i pray ephesians chapter one those verses for every single one of our church families week number two i pray ephesians three for them week number three i play, pray philippians chapter one for them week number four i pray, I pray colossians chapter one for them I'm not saying you have to do it the way I do it. I'm not saying uh, that I'm the expert in it. I'm just saying it helps me to pray specifically for the people that God has given me the privilege of shepherding. It, it, helps, it sometimes helps us to be focused. I encourage you to, to make a prayer list. It helps us to focus. And at our age, sometimes it helps us to remember right? How fervently and diligently are you praying for your pastor, for your deacons, for your Sunday school teachers, for your children, for your grandchildren? One of the greatest gifts you can give your grandchildren is to be a prayer warrior on their behalf. Pray for the spouses that God would raise up for them. 
Pray for the ministries that God would allow them to be involved in. As I shared the other night, ours are from 18 all the way to 2. You know, a two-year-old, and I know you know this, but a two-year-old has different needs than an 18-year-old. And so there's some uh, specific things that I pray for, for Chloe, differently than I pray for MJ. But almost every week, I send Chloe a note. She's the one that's in college. I say, Chloe, Paul's praying for you today. And here's what I'm praying. And even an 18-year-old appreciates that. Sometimes you're not sure if an 18-year-old appreciates anything. <laughs> Especially being, being seen with Paul. But she does appreciate the emphasis on prayer. And she's noticed and has made a difference in her life. These are some specific things that we can be praying for one another. Paul said, strive together with me in prayer. Can I ask you another personal question? When's the last time you can say that you strived in prayer? Again, we, 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 take, we, we know prayer is powerful, we, and, and we sort of have this casual approach to it. Jesus sweated drops of blood in prayer. Paul said, strive together with us. What about some lessons from a prayer warrior? Again, just some practical suggestions. Pray constantly. Always. Epaphras prays always. He continues in prayer. What does Paul say in Thessalonians? Pray without ceasing. There ought to be a constant attitude, a constant spirit that we are in communication with God in prayer. That also means keeping a clean slate, not allowing sin to go unconfessed. Because if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me, right? If something is causing conflict in my relationship with my wife, it hinders our communication, right? Honey, how are you? Fine. What did I do? Nothing. You get that app out and you say, okay, what does that mean? Oh, it means you did something. <laughs> but when everything is confessed and everything is clean and everything is sweet, boy, there's just sweet fellowship. The same way in our fellowship with God. Now, sin doesn't break our relationship, amen? Can't lose it. But sin can hinder our fellowship. So keep clean, but a constant spirit. You know, when, when God lays a burden on our heart or something emergency happens, we shouldn't have to stop and spend 15 minutes confessing our sin before we're able to pray about it. That's what I'm talking about here. Jot down secondly, please, pray fervently. He labors for the, the Greek word there is agonizomai. Can you hear anything in that? 
agonize. That's the idea here. To contend for victory. To fight. To wrestle. To strain every nerve. Wow. Does that describe our prayer life? I think of Jacob when he wrestled that night with the angel of the Lord. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I look around this room, I'm sure there have been some things in your life where there have been some nights that you agonized with the Lord in prayer. Again, we're addressing some mature believers here tonight. I know that. But I want to encourage you. There needs to be some more agonizing. There needs to be some more laboring fervently before God. Someone said if we prayed with the same concern and energy that we play, we would have revival. If you've done any study of revival, you realize that every revival ever recorded in history began with people getting serious about prayer. Sometimes it was one or two simply meeting and agreeing with God in prayer. I was at a meeting not long ago, and an evangelist was given an example of a great revival that broke out in North Carolina a few years back. And a pastor testified that for 20 years, every single Tuesday night, his church had a prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. Not to pray for the sick, not to pray for the people who had lost jobs, simply to pray for revival. Every week for 20 years. And God chose to answer that in a very special way. Oh, that God would do it again. I'm not a prophet. I don't know what God has in store for this nation. But I know that the burden of my heart is that if God would allow it in His mercy, that He would pour out His spirit of revival upon us one more time. If my people that's us, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, will seek my face, will turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, will heal their land. I don't know if God has plans for another national revival. But I know that God can revive my heart and your heart and our families and our churches. And who knows but that God would just open up the windows of heaven and pour out his spirit upon us again in a powerful way. It begins with fervent prayer. Jot down thirdly. Pray personally. <laughs> he says that he prays for you. Heard about a missionary who walked in the back door of a church one Wednesday night for prayer meeting and just slipped in. Nobody saw him. And 
he heard the pastor ask some men to come up and pray, and one of the men got up and prayed and said, Oh, Lord, Lord, we pray that you would bless all of our missionaries. And amen. When the pastor got up, he looked out, and he saw the missionary. He said, Oh, brother so-and-so, would you come up here and give us a report? The missionary said, I'd be glad to. And he walked up behind the, the pulpit, and he said, God has been blessing, and turned around and went and sat down. <laughs> His point was, you didn't pray personally, and you didn't pray definitely or specifically, and therefore I'm going to give you the report that way. We must know people to be able to pray definitely and specifically with a spiritual focus. And lastly, pray sacrificially. He said, what do you mean by that? He said he has a great zeal for you. Serious-minded praying demands some sacrifice. It'll demand some sacrifice of time. You know, there is such a thing in the Bible, and I know you have the same Bible as I have. There is such a thing called fasting and praying. Not real popular these days, especially when you come to the wilds and all the food that we get. We didn't come here to fast, did we? We came here to feast. But Jesus said, when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and the disciples said, why could we not cast out this demon? He said, this kind cometh out but by fasting and prayer. Paul fasted often. Fasting is denying my physical appetites to spend time in the presence of God without being distracted by those other physical things. I think it's time for some of us in our churches to set aside some of those physical appetites and spend time on our knees, or at least seated with our hearts bowed if you can't kneel in prayer. Turning off the television. Matter of fact, when revival comes, we'll spend more time in prayer than we will in front of the television. When revival comes, God's priorities will be more important than our priorities. It begins with prayer. The life of a prayer warrior is burdened, loyal, disciplined. The longing is a focus on spiritual concerns. The lessons pray constantly, fervently personally, definitely, and sacrificially. Again, another personal question. Are you a true prayer warrior? Am I a true prayer warrior? Albert writes, penned the words to this song, Teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray. This is my heart cry day unto day. I long to know thy will and thy way. Teach me to pray, Lord, teach me to pray. 
living in thee, Lord, and thou in me, constant abiding, this is my plea. Grant me thy power, boundless and free, power with men and power with thee. Our mission, to be an encourager, to be an example, to be an exhorter, and to be a prayer warrior. Heavenly Father, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to my heart once again today as I've reviewed and prayed and meditated on this truth. Lord, I acknowledge I don't pray as I ought, but oh God, I want to. I want to grow. I want to become truly a man of prayer. Lord, I believe there are some men and some ladies here this evening who have that same burden. If that describes you, just in the quietness of this moment, no singing, no music, just you and God, would you commit yourself or recommit yourself to becoming a greater prayer warrior for God's glory? Would you just take some time and do that right now? Forgive us, Heavenly Father, for our failures give us victory for your glory in Jesus name we pray amen. amen one more time our music dum 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 your mission and say it with me encourager example exhorter and prayer warrior let's accept it